And welcome back, sports fans. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Hess's Sports Corner finds its way back on the airwaves. We have missed you so much. I hope you have missed us as much as we have missed each other. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. He's back. He's back. My co-host, Mr. Brad Croston. Brad, how are you doing, sir? Welcome back to the podcast. I tried it twice. It just didn't work without you, sir. Welcome back. Thanks for thanks for the warm welcome, Donnie. It's it's been it's been quite the whirlwind in terms of just everything involved with work and stuff like that. So now that things have kind of calmed back down, I've been able to get myself back into sports fully and be able to get back into the podcast realm. So it's been very fun over the last couple of, of uh, months because I, I've done a couple of really interesting things, in, including going to a particular game that I know you wanted to talk a little bit about, but um very happy to be back and talk with you again. That is absolutely great. And let's go right into it. We're not going to jump into the game plan just yet, because I think this is too cool not to talk about. Our friend here got the absolutely fantastic opportunity to go to the U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifier. I think it was Cincinnati, correct? Yep. So I, I, I had to, before we get this podcast really going, just tell us a little bit about the atmosphere there and the fact the U.S. gets a dos a cero win. How cool was that experience? Just real quick, how, how, how much fun that was. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. And, and I don't say that with any hyperbole at all. I mean, like just the, the incredible atmosphere in the stadium and the build up to the match was incredible. And then, like you said, the fact that we ended up not only winning, but winning by that famous scoreline of Dos Acero, it was just incredible. And uh, the night before party, getting to meet so many great people from all over the country. I met people from freaking Maui who were there just for the game. And I got to meet Jermaine Jones, the former U.S. midfielder as well. Got to got to say hi to him. And then the, the match itself, I mean, just the, the prelude to the match was incredible. I mean, we had the march to the match, and it literally went through the neighborhoods of Cincinnati. And you could see people going forward and backwards from where we were in the, in the line, going for several blocks both ways. And the fact that we were able to have a home crowd advantage in that beautiful, beautiful new stadium in Cincinnati was just incredible. And then the atmosphere in the supporters section as well was incredible. And I, I'll never forget when the second goal went in, I, I grabbed my drink and I just threw it upwards in the air. Just just had to had to do the old uh, famous like England beer throw whenever a goal is scored. So. It was incredible to get to watch the U.S. play live and see Ados Acero against Mexico as well. So it's great to see that. And hopefully I'll be going to another one soon. I've gotten into the application for the, the St. Paul game against Honduras coming up in February. So that'd be that'd be an interesting one, especially if, if we get a snow game, a little bit of like a snow classico part two, a repeat of the Denver qualifier from a couple of years ago against Costa Rica. So. Hopefully I'll be able to go to another one and have another crazy story to bring back with me from that one. Yeah, that will be great. Just make sure to pack, pack warm for that trip. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't not talk about it because you know how much we love to talk football on this podcast, but I think it's time to go into our game plan. Man, it feels so good to be back on the podcast. So we'll go through the game plan. We start off with football. Again, so many things going on. Domestic leagues are heating up. More and more games are being played. Champions League, we are down to 16. What 16 teams are moving on to the knockout stages? Europa League, now with the Europa Conference, how different will the, will the matchups be with the eight teams coming down from Champions League to face the eight second-place teams in the Europa League? We got to talk MLS, I know. This may be picking a scab from my co-host here, just the tiniest bit, but we got to talk MLS. We have an MLS final. Who are the teams in the final and who do we think is going to come out the victor? We jump from football to college football. Champ week has come. It has gone. We know our bowl matchups. We know the four teams in the playoffs. Brad, we got to talk the four teams in the playoffs because we have a shocker in the four-team playoffs. OMG, we'll talk about it in a bit. And then college basketball. we got to talk some college basketball here really quickly. We're going to take a break from NHL just this week because we've got so much to talk about, but we will get back to NHL coming next week. And then we end it with, surprise, surprise, Brad's crazy stat of the week, sir. Let's jump right into it. Let's jump into some domestic football 
Brad, you're back. Let's let's go with it. What league do you want to start talking about first? Well, if I get to pick Donnie, then we're going straight over to the German Bundesliga, of course. And how come I'm surprise, not surprised? Surprise, surprise! <laughs> I know, but um, we had quite the we had quite the matchup this past Saturday, and it was a little bit controversial in in the proceedings. But Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund, and Bayern wins three two. There was some controversy about whether or not a penalty should have been called against Bayern to Dortmund and whether or not there was a handball and whether or not a penalty that was awarded to Bayern was actually a penalty. Um, it, it was a very strange game. I watched the game with a couple of local Bayern Munich fans, and so it was very fun to get to interact with them. And then in terms of the match itself, it, it lived up to the billing. I mean, it really had just about everything. It had early goals. It had goals from Lewandowski and Holland, as you would expect. And then it really turned into a, uh, unfortunately, a little bit of a, oh, the ref should have done this. Oh, the ref should have done that. And it felt like toward the end of that game, they were talking about the refs a little bit more than they would have really wanted to, including uh, Jude Bellingham, the midfielder from Dortmund, getting fined for comments that he made about the refereeing after the game. And Borussia Dortmund coach Marco Hosa got sent off during the match, and he was actually forced to watch the remainder of the game from a pitch-side seat outside of the dugout. So it looked really weird watching him trying to yell inwards toward the dugouts and barking out directions. But Bayern ends up getting the three points. They move four points clear Dortmund at the top of the table on 34 points to Dortmund's 30. And we have a couple of surprises in the, in the Europa league spots here. We got Freiburg in fourth right now, which would qualify them for the champions league as it stands followed by Hoffenheim and Union Berlin. So we've seen the likes of Wolfsburg fall out of the top four, Leipzig fall out of the top four, Minchin Gladbach and Frankfurt down the table as well. And then it's current. It's quite crazy to see down at the bottom of the table. We have Greutzer Fürth who were just promoted to the Bundesliga. They only have one point through 14 games and they have a goal differential of minus 34. And so at the moment they're on track to put, to put together one of the worst performances in the history of the Bundesliga, which is, which is kind of sad because Greutzer Fürth of course has, former U.S. men's national team midfielder Julian Green, and they have a really good support base there. So it'd be unfortunate to see them go back down, but it looks like their fate is pretty much already sealed, even with 20 matches to go, nine points behind the second bottom team. Uh, just just a crazy thing, but to see Union Berlin and Hoffenheim right there, still in striking distance of making that champ, making those Champions League and Europa League spots, very, very awesome. Again, the Bundesliga is dominated by Bayern Munich. Unfortunately, Dortmund might be just a tiny bit too far. That four-point gap, not any better. But then the seven-point gap to Leverkusen in third may be just a tiny bit too insurmountable. Again, Bayern continuing to click. Let's jump from Germany. Let's jump to France now, where, surprise, surprise, PSG at the top of the table with 42 points and a giant 11-point gap to Rennes in second. But Marseille, Nice, Lens, and Strasbourg make up the top six. Let's look at some of the matchups that we had this last weekend in France with Marseille falling to Brust 2-1, Lille getting a 2-1 win, PSG only managing a draw with Lens, Lyon and Bordeaux playing to a 2-2 draw, and Monaco beating Metz 4-0. Just looking at this, sir, I mean, again, France unfortunately, is really PSG's to dominate. But seeing Marseille in third, Nice in fourth, Lens in fifth, Strasbourg in sixth, I mean, France is really kind of in the middle of the table, a little bit different than we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, seeing the likes of Saint-Étienne all the way in last are a really shocking uh, fact to see. And then we have the likes of Lille, Lyon, and Nantes all in 11th through 13th, respectively. So, we're seeing some different faces up toward the top apart, of course, from PSG and then the likes of Ren Marseille and Nice in the top four spots. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Europa League and Europa Conference spots are going to look like over the course of the season, because with the, the likes of the teams of Strasbourg, Monaco, Angers and Montpellier from sixth to ninth, they're all within striking distance of those top three spots. So they could definitely pose a bit of a threat to the likes of Rennes, Marseille, and Nice for those other European spots. So there's definitely going to be a lot of intrigue going into the latter half of the season. 
Yeah, definitely for sure. So let's, let's jump from France. We'll jump over to the boot in Italy. And the last time that we talked, Juventus was down in 12th place. Now, looking at the table really quickly, Juventus has bounced back. They are now very close to the Champions League spots, but they find themselves still seven points back of fourth in Atalanta with Milan at the top of the table with 38 points, Inter Milan 37, Napoli with 36, and Atalanta with 34. I mean, that, that group there at the top of the table sees only a four-point gap and then a seven-point gap all the way to Juventus in fifth and Fiorentina also tied at 27 in sixth. Yeah, we've got a couple of really interesting spots going on right now. I'm really looking to see how Roma, Lazio, and Fiorentina in 6th, 7th, and 8th, how they get on over the last couple of uh, last few months of the season. And especially if we get a derby matchup between Roma and Lazio, eventually determining a European spot, it could be very, very interesting. And then as we look toward this weekend's matches, one that really catches my eye here is a little bit of a of a uh, American interest in this game. We have John Luca Buzio and Venezia going up against Weston McKenney and Juventus, and we've got a really interesting storyline. Whereas if if Venezia can get a win, they could go up to as high as 14th in the table. They're they're managing to keep themselves above that relegation zone right now. And then if Juventus lose, they could fall to as low as eighth. They, they could take a serious tumble if they can't go into Venezia and get a win. We have Udinese hosting, Inter Milan, hosting AC Milan, Inter at the San Siro playing in Scaleri, Sassuolo hosts Lazio, and then a, another one that really catches my eye is Hellas Verona versus Atalanta, the team that you are very high on in Italy. Yeah, Atalanta, another one of those likes to swallow those those smaller clubs that you just love that you just love that they've been having success. Unfortunately, Sassuolo has kind of dipped in the table a little bit all the way down to 12th. But again, being a smaller club to be able to stay mid table or upper table is great for a club like that. I have to let's let's jump to La Liga only because just just really quickly before we go into the fixtures this weekend, it's just looking at this table is there is one glaring miss in that top four, and that is Barcelona, who find themselves mired back a full six points back from Atletico Madrid in fourth, all the way down in seventh with only 23 points. Real Madrid at the top of the table with a nice eight-point gap on Sevilla. And Betis sits in third currently, only a point ahead of Atletico Madrid. Looking at the Spanish table, I mean, Except for Barcelona, I mean, it's usually it's the players: Sevilla, Atletico, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad. But it's Betis being right now the kind of thorn in the side of of the Champions League, with Barcelona still struggling, not only in La Liga but also in a little bit of something we're going to talk about here real soon. Yeah, so they now have Xavi back at the club as the new manager, and he's got quite the monumental task on his hands, and so. He's got his club sitting in seventh place right now on the table. And just to get back into the Champions League spots, they're going to need the likes of Betis or Sevilla to go on a bit of a, a bit of a slide. And they're going to have to get things together very quickly. They're going to have to sell off a couple of players to get some money to bring other players in in the January window. And that's just going to be in order to get back up into the European spots at all. I mean, you look at fifth and sixth as the Europa League and Europa Conference spots, Sociedad and Rayo Vallecano, ahead of the likes of Barcelona, Valencia, and Athletic Bilbao. So we, we could be seeing some very interesting positional shifts and changes of the tide in the terms of European spots for La Liga. That'll definitely be interesting. And the fact to see Barcelona not even in the Champions League spots is quite quite concerning in, in Catalan. I mean, the scary thing and to add what we're soon going to be talking about, but let's, let's, let's end our domestic league stop with the creme de la creme. And that is the EPL where we see three of the teams. I think a lot of people expected, but the fourth team in the champions league spot right now, I think might be a tiny bit of surprise with man city, Liverpool, Chelsea being the top three, but West ham, the hammers of London are in that fourth spot followed by Tottenham in fifth Manchester United, sixth Arsenal in seventh and wolves in eighth. I mean, 
the, I mean, the top two teams, Man City, Liverpool, and the top three teams, Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, just keep ticking along. Yeah, and I think it's really anybody's league to lose. And I think if as an I think as a neutral fan, this is going to be the league that you're going to want to watch the re- for the rest of the season. Because even West Ham down in fourth, they've been playing very well this season. They managed to beat mm-hmm. Chelsea recently. So they're definitely heavy hitters right now. And they're very much in form with Mikel Antonio playing the, the playing in the form of his life at the moment and getting the players like Sushek and the other midfielders getting really good as well. So they're definitely going to be a team to not be taken lightly over the last bit of the season. And like you were saying about Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea, they're, they're only two points separating those two teams. So this is anybody's league to win at the moment. So if one of the teams starts to go on a really big run and take things on a whole new level, I mean, that, that could really spell danger for the other teams. And if we take a look at some of the fixtures coming up over the weekend and going into next week, I mean, we're going into the festive season and we're going to have two matches per week for a lot of the, uh, for a lot of the upcoming weeks. So right now we've got Man City Wolves, as a very interesting one on Saturday, Liverpool, Aston Villa at Anfield, where we'll see the return of former Liverpool captain Steven Gerrard now managing Aston Villa in an interim role for the moment, likely to possibly take over as full-time manager soon. That's going to be a very interesting one to watch. Newcastle has just been recently taken over by a Saudi Arabian consortium. Now they're sitting in a relegation spot right now, but they're going to be going up against the Leicester City side in the East Midlands who are going to be in a little bit of a fight right now. Leicester have not been playing as well as they probably would like to be playing right now. But if Newcastle can go into Leicester and nab three points off of them, then that could be really big in terms of their relegation fight. Man City have another matchup on Tuesday against Leeds United, which will be very interesting to watch. And then Wednesday, Arsenal versus West Ham in a London derby. Very, very big implications in terms of the lower European spots. Yeah, definitely interesting there. And is it weird to me? And maybe it's just because I've seen we've seen so many teams. PSG, we've seen Manchester City taken over by very rich, very wealthy owners. And is it weird for me to kind of like, no offense, people up, no offense, Jordies, but I kind of want to see your club go down just to see how the ownership would react if they've bought an EPL club that then gets relegated. Like it's a very, it would be quite the storyline. That's for sure. It'd be a very interesting thing to think to see happen again. It's still very early in the season. There's still a lot of games to go, but the fact that they are in a relegation battle, they're full three points behind Watford to get out of the relegation zone um, within another three points after that. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how that goes again. We have, we have the, we have the winter transfer window coming up. So I think we're really going to see just how big a player Newcastle is going to be. And it's going to set the tone for the next couple of transfer windows to see what kind of players they bring in, what kind of changes they put together to go with the new manager, Eddie Howe. And it'll be very interesting to see how they attack it. If they're going full steam ahead and acquiring a couple of names and bringing in a lot of talent to try and just make sure they survive this season. And then in the next summer to see whether or not they go even harder and try and bring in even more higher level talent to see how quickly they can rise up. And they're going to have the models of Manchester city of PSG, how once they were taken over, how they went about their transfer business and how quickly they started to go up the table. They'll have that as kind of a reference, but it's going to be very interesting to see, especially in this upcoming transfer window, just what Newcastle does and how big a player they're going to be going forward. Definitely. It, it, it's definitely one of those. Is, there's a lot of storylines in England that I'm very much keeping track of. Like I said, the top three teams, how's that go? How does Manchester United handle now with its its new its manager and letting go of its new manager? How that's going to be handled? Newcastle United take over and are they going to get out of the relegation zone? I think the January transfer window could be a lot more entertaining this year than it has been, just because of the fact that how does Newcastle United's ownership do they throw the cash at this club, or do they hope they survive at least till next year before they can start 
injecting the cash into their Well, and team. then you got to also think that there's been so many new managers brought in in the middle of the season, like we've seen Ralph Rangnick take over at Manchester United, mm-hmm. seen Steven Gerrard take over at Aston Villa, Eddie Howe at Newcastle, and a couple of others I think I might be missing. But it's going to be very interesting to see, especially these clubs who have brought in new managers to see how they go about the winter transfer window and what their respective goals are. I mean, you're looking at a Manchester United club that's sitting four points out of or three points out of the Champions League spots. And if they bring in some talent or try and sell people off to try and get themselves back in the top four, Aston Villa, likewise, they're trying to get into the Europa League, Europa Conference spots. They need to kind of kick it into gear with Gerard now at the helm. And then for Newcastle, you got Eddie Howe in there and their goal is going to be to just stay alive. So it's going to be very interesting to see all that. And one one little tiny thing to throw in there. We, we have an American man who is now on staff at Manchester United as an assistant coach in former Red Bull and Toronto FC manager and former Chicago Fire player Chris Armas as a assistant coach under Ralph Rangnick now with Manchester United. Just want to throw that in there. Another another little American storyline to follow within the European game. Yeah, love seeing love seeing the, the the infusion of American managers now into European football, which I think is really really helping the Amer- the game here in the states. So, let's jump to it. The pre the premier competition in all of Europe is the Champions League. All six games have been played. We have our sixteen teams that will qualify, but let's quickly go through this last round of games where we see some, I mean, a lot of results that I think we kind of expected PSG club Bruges PSG wins four one the Leipzig over Manchester city would have been surprising if it weren't for the fact that Leipzig has not played as well in this. So the two, one win for Leipzig at home, Atletico Madrid getting a three, one win at home, Liverpool getting a two, one come from behind win over Milan Dortmund with a five, no win over Besiktas at, Ajax continuing their hot streak in Champions League, winning 4-2. Real Madrid winning the big club derby over Inter Milan. Sheriff gets a 1-1 draw with Shakhtar. We will come back to that name very quickly because an accomplishment by that little club. I've got to give them some kudos there. Juventus getting the 1-0 win over Malmo, which actually will help them win the group because Chelsea goes to Russia and only and survives in a 3-3 draw. Benfica beats FC Dynamo 2-0. Bayern smashes Barcelona 3-0, which caused even more drama there. Manchester United Young Boys 1-1, Salzburg over Sevilla 1-0, Lille beats Wolfsburg 3-1, and Villarreal knocks off Atalanta 3-2. Sir, looking at each of these tables, holy Christmas, we've got some interesting results here. Let's go through it really quickly, just, just scanning it real quick. What is the one group that has shocked you with the results of this particular Champions League this year? I'm going to have to go with Group C, and and the fact that Borussia Dortmund is now going to be playing Europa League football is very, very shocking that they weren't able to get over sporting. And the fact that Ajax won a perfect 6 of 6, and not only that, but they did it in emphatic fashion. They had a plus 15 goal differential. They they laid the smacketh down, as we like to say sometimes, over pretty much everybody in that group. Milan are out of European football altogether, finishing last in Group B. The the Group A, Group of Death, as I almost call, as I kind of like to jokingly refer to as in Group A, it sees Leipzig only get seven points. PSG finish one point below Manchester City, and so they get second place. And then Group G was really a toss-up. We were saying that really anybody could come out on top there. But Lille, as, as kind of subpar as they've been doing in league on this season, they get the top spot in Group G. And then Brendan Aronson and the Salzburg train rolls on, and they get second over Sevilla and Wolfsburg. And so as the 16 teams go through, let's go ahead and take a look. The group winners, Man City, Liverpool, Ajax, Real Madrid, Bayern München, Manchester United, Lille, and Juventus. And the runners up being PSG, Atletico Madrid, Sporting Club, Inter Milan, Benfica, Villarreal, Salzburg, and Chelsea, the defending champions. The big ones that missed, I mean, we kind of referred to it. Leipzig finished third. They'll be playing Europa League. Milan are out completely in fourth. Dortmund are going to the Europa League in third. 
Sheriff, our, our favorite minnow team, is going to be playing in the Europa League knockout round in the knockout playoff, I should say. Us sending Shakhtar Donetsk home from European football. I think when this group was drew, we thought Sheriff would be the team, but Shakhtar Donetsk, the Ukrainian Giants, are knocked out. That is absolutely incredible. But then the next one, Group E. I mean, we got to talk. We got to talk about it. Barcelona is out of the Champions League. Benfica is the other team out of Group E. I mean, how shocking is this, that the Spanish Giants will be playing Europa League football? I got to say, as the the group stage went on and on, I I got the feeling that this was going to come, and especially when it got down to the final match day, I had zero confidence that Barcelona was going to be able to pull anything out of Munich, and sure enough, Bayern really just bossed that game and ended up winning 3-0 for a second time against Barcelona. So Benfica get out of that group. And then I honestly think that this will be a bit of a kind of what Xavi referred to as a wake-up call. Uh, I think it just puts into perspective just how far Barcelona has fallen ever since the Leo Messi situation really kind of first, first came into being at the end of the 2020 campaign all through the 2021 campaign as, as rocky as that was. And then he, he moves away to PSG and it just kind of goes to show that the, he's not there to carry him anymore. They, they've got to figure out a way to move on and they have not done that so far and they're paying the price now and they're going to be playing Europa league with the likes of Dortmund and the other teams. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Xavi regroups the team for the Europa League if they really care about the Europa League at all I think that they might just throw all their eggs into the La Liga basket just to make sure they can play Champions League at all next season as well um so that's gonna be very interesting to keep an eye on and then if we look over in the other groups we're gonna have Manchester United and Villarreal out of Group F and then Atalanta finishing in third playing Europa League Sevilla playing Europa League out of Group G and Zenit St. Petersburg playing Europa League out of Group so we've got a very interesting couple of days coming forward because on Monday we're going to get all of the draws. We're going to get the Champions League knockout draw and the knockout playoff draws for both the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, which, Donnie, do you want to go ahead and take a look at what we've got in terms of the Europa League and Europa Conference tables? Yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'll run through the, with the Europa League again. The, the final group stages goes through and, and kind of, again, some, inter- some interesting results here. Just in Group A, Sparta Praha beating Bromby 2-0. Lyon hosting Rangers 1-1. Real Sociedad knocking off PSV 3-0. Napoli beating Leicester 3-2. Uh, FC Spartak going to Legia Warsaw, getting a 1 0 win. Marseille beating Locomotive. It's interesting the group that I think a lot of people are expecting Coach has to talk about because it has Celtic. So, both the lower teams find a way to get a win as Ferenc Veros goes, plays, hosts Leverkusen, gets a 1 0 win. And Celtic beats Real Betis 3 2 in, in very interesting game there, considering Celtic pretty much played with a third string team and somehow found a way to beat Betis a little late with that result as they will be playing in the Europa Conference League knockout match because of their two wins over Fenish Veros. But Ended up being a little bit closer considering, thank God, Celtic won both of those games. West Ham United falling to Dynamo Zagreb at home 1-0 and Rapid Vienne beating Gank. So looking at the tables, we will see the winners of the groups be Leon in Group A, Monaco, FC, Spartak, Moscow, Frankfurt, Galatasaray, Red Star, Belgrade, Leverkusen, and West Ham will be your automatic knockout stage qualifiers for the Europa League with the knockout out uh, the knockout stage matches having the second teams which would be rangers of scotland real sociedad napoli olympiacos lazio braga betis and dynamo zagreb the third place teams going down to the conference league knockout stage would be praha psv leicester which i find surprising leicester city goes down to that fenabache marseille micheland celtic and rapid vn sir and i will let you go through really quickly how the europa conference turns out and who are going to be the winners of the groups and who are going to be in the knockout stages 
Yeah, so we've got a couple of really interesting results here. I'm just going to go through the table real quick. So we have group winners of Lask from Austria, Ghent from Belgium, Roma, AZ, Feyenoord, Copenhagen, Rennes, and Basel going through right away. The second place teams going through will be Maccabi, Tel Aviv, Partizan, Bodo, Ronders from Denmark, Slavia Prague, Pauk, and then Group G is going to be interesting because we had a postponement in the last match of that group between Tottenham and Wren, which was postponed due to a COVID outbreak. And so whenever that game is going to be able to be made up, that will determine the final makeup of Group G. And then Huarabai from Azerbaijan was the runner-up in Group H, and they will join the third-place teams from the Europa League group stage, those being Sparta Prague, PSV Eindhoven, Leicester City, Fenerbahce, Marseille, Michelin, your beloved Glasgow Celtic, and Rapid Veen. So we will have on Monday, we will have the draw at 5 a.m. Central Time for the Champions League, 6 a.m. Central Time for the Europa League knockout playoffs, and then for and then at 7 a.m. will be the Europa Conference knockout playoff draw. So at that point, we will know what the playoff draws are going to look like for the two lower level competitions and we'll know the last 16 for the champions league. And of course, as we know, we'll have the seeded teams going up against the unseeded teams in those draws. So it'll be very interesting to see how those turn out. Yeah. It'll be very, very interesting to see that just because it is a little bit of a different style of tournament is this isn't the straight 16 teams, two from each group. So I'm very intrigued to see how these draws are going to go in some of the matchups we get there. So let's fly from Europe. We've done a lot of talk in Europe again. It's been so long. So a lot of things have happened, but let's fly back. We've, we've come to it, sir. I don't want to pick a scab. I know this is a tiny, but we'll, let's get through it very, very quickly. The MLS is down to a final. We have two teams in the championship series. Really quickly, can you go through just a quick synopsis of how the playoffs worked and who are the two teams playing in the final? And just, I think, let's tip. Who do you think is going to be hoisting the MLS Cup? Yeah, so it was a very crazy MLS Cup playoffs, to, to put it lightly. So we had the top two seeds from each conference get eliminated, and that those being Colorado and Seattle out of the West and New England Revolution and Philadelphia Union out of the East. So we are down now to a final, which I don't think really anybody could have seen coming, but we have got the Portland Timbers going up against New York City FC, New York City making their first MLS Cup final appearance, and Portland making their third appearance, but it's the first time that the game is being hosted at Providence Park in Portland with the Timbers Army going to be giving the Timbers a crazy home field advantage out in the Rose State. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. And I'll I'll go ahead and pick the scab now, but uh, I went to both of the sporting playoff games. The first one was all fine and dandy. We won three to one against Vancouver. It was a fantastic time in, in in the cauldron. And then came the second one. We lost to Real Salt Lake, which they they won on a 90th minute winner by Bobby Wood of all people. And I'm not going to get into that and open that that can of worms. But (laughs) yeah, knocked out in the 90th minute by the team that I hate the most in MLS. I I won't I won't be I I I won't be ashamed to say that. But it, it was very unfortunate seeing that happen. But the crazier thing happened in the conference finals. So uh, this is, for me, the craziest thing that's happened in the entire MLS season. But Philadelphia Union make it all the way to the conference final. They host the game. And then the day before the match, I think it was 12 players got put into the COVID protocol the day before the game. That included pretty much their entire back line. Their starting goalkeeper, Andre Blake, who's the Jamaican national team number one and several key midfielders and forwards. And you met, you had a very makeshift starting 11 for the Philadelphia Union. They held, they held on for quite a while, and they actually went up 1-0 in the 63rd minute on an own goal, but then goals by Maxi Morales and Tyus Magno in the 88th minute, the, the second one coming in the 88th minute, and knocked out the Philadelphia Union, a makeshift lineup. But now we are down to our final two. Like I said, it's Portland Timbers versus New York City. 
And it's going to be very interesting because you got two teams that at the moment are fully healthy. You've got two teams that are very much in form. And if they can stay healthy and keep everybody out of COVID protocols should be an amazing game on Saturday, two o'clock central time on ABC. I got to give the advantage to the Timbers here. Why the Timbers army. And for anybody who watches our podcast, who watches major league soccer, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. And playoff Timbers army is a different animal. And as much as I don't want to see Portland have as many titles as sporting Kansas city, I think it's going to happen. And I think that New York city are a very, very good team. They've got a lot of very good players. Tati Castellanos will be back for this game. He was suspended for the conference final due to a red card. But I think that the Portland Timbers are on the fast track to success. They knocked out the Colorado Rapids. They knocked out Real Salt Lake. I think they're in very good, very good shape to go forward and win their second MLS Cup. It'll be a fantastic game. Definitely have to keep an eye on that, sir. And I think that is going to do it for our football section of the podcast. Let's go to college football. Man, a lot of things have changed since the last time we had a podcast. Our regular season is over. The championship games of each of the conferences have been played, and we have four teams in the playoffs. Let's really quickly run over some of the championship games, some of the highlights there as UTSA finishes their season 12-1 and with a big win over Western Kentucky, 49-41. Utah again smashes Oregon 38-10 and it seems to be the bogey team for Oregon this season just not being able to knock off the Utes got to give a little love to a former Iowa former an Iowan who plays in Northern Illinois Rocky Lombardi the former Michigan State quarterback and quarterback from Iowa helps Northern Illinois knock off Kent State 41-23 and probably one of the most insane games of the championship weekend sees Baylor edge out Oklahoma state by what many people would say is half a yard as Baylor wins 21 16 in an incredible big 12 final game. I have to give that was the best game of the weekend. Utah state goes into San Diego state. And as we say, layeth the smack is down with a 46 to 13 win over the Aztecs. Louisiana continuing their great their great play as they win 24-16 over App State in the Sunbelt Championship. And I have to say this, this was the shocker of the weekend as Alabama beats the vaunted Georgia defense 41-24. I, I got to ask, Brad, did this result shock you as much as it did me? I mean, I knew Georgia, I knew Georgia's defense had not seen an offense like Alabama's, but I was not expecting Alabama to obliterate that defense at times yeah i gotta say the fact that alabama won in itself doesn't surprise me just because they play atlanta so well they they pretty much have have made that alabama east in a way but the fact that they put 41 points up on that defense is the part that shocked me and it's very it's very interesting seeing that georgia allowed 41 and now heading into the playoff which both of these teams qualified for how Georgia will respond in their semifinal game because now Alabama is going to be carrying all the momentum heading into the playoff. And you know, that postseason Alabama is never fun to play against. So it's it's going to be a very tough ask for Alabama's opponents going forward. Absolutely. For sure. And we we look at it, the, the team, the team, the Cinderella team, who many people said was the only team that had a chance to make the playoffs gets the win 35, 20, a Cincinnati knocks off Houston in the AAC and and the most peculiar a, 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 the ACC championship as Pittsburgh beats wake forest. I I can't believe those, those two schools were were in the final at, at the way If you would have told us at the start of the year that Pittsburgh and Wake would have been playing in the ACC championship, I'd have told you you're crazy. As Pittsburgh knocks off Wake Forest 45-21 to win the American Conference. And then uh, we'll pick the scab quickly. Our, Our beloved Iowa Hawkeyes did not have a very good day as their offensive struggles continue as they get beat quite easily by Michigan 42 to three. We will quickly go over that again. A great you want to season. talk about layout the smack is down. I mean, that was this game uh, was a little bit closer than the final score. I think the last 15 minutes kind of got away from Iowa. Definitely. It was, the halftime score was only 14, three, right? 14, three. Yes. So it, it was, we, it was we a were game in it for, we were in it for a while. This, and then this it was kind of just, 
you know, once the floodgates opened, I mean, everything just kind of went downhill from there. And it was one of those things where Iowa had the chances to be able to come back into the game. And if they had taken it, then they could have probably mounted a pretty good score, but they just weren't able to provide that ruthlessness that you have to be able to apply to be able to win at this stage of the season. And unfortunately, Iowa got exposed on, on offense at least, and were definitely taken to town pretty easily by the Wolverines. Yeah, 100% agree there. And in our final four, the playoffs have been set. We're not going to go over the bowls too much this week because we've got bowl games coming up over the next few weeks. So we will kind of address them as they come up. But we'll talk about the playoffs really quickly. The four teams that made it see Alabama at number one, Michigan at number two, Georgia gets in at number three, and Cincinnati, the little the little team that could gets in in fourth And we can have this discussion a little bit later, but I'm really sick and tired of seeing these experts, shall we say, with air quotations, since you guys are listening to this podcast, of these experts saying, well, there you go. Cincinnati proves that a small team can get in. And to be completely honest, it is absolute BS because the reason that they are in is because Clemson, Oklahoma, and the Pac-12 champion didn't play well legitimately honest i hate saying it cincinnati fans i know you're not going to like hearing this but it's the honest to god truth if clemson is undefeated if oklahoma is undefeated or oregon is undefeated they are in cincinnati is out that's the way it is cincinnati had the perfect storm happen three conferences had conference champions with at least two or more losses they went undefeated they did enough they're in now let's see if they want the prize that is alabama in the first game Really quickly, let's tip these. Let's tip it. Who do you think wins the national championship at the end? I got to be honest, Donnie. I actually kind of like Michigan right now. I think that they're playing really hot. They they went and got the win against Ohio State. They got the monkey off their back, if, as as it were. Georgia is going to go into that matchup on a on the back heel a little bit, having gotten beaten pretty handily by Alabama. And and I got to say, I think that Aiden Hutchinson. And the Michigan defense are going to be able to play well against the Georgia offense. And I think that this Michigan offense, while they don't necessarily have one out and out star, they have a great engine. They have a great machine. They, they play together well. And I think that that will do them a lot of favors. I think Michigan beats Georgia. I, I think Alabama lays the smack down on Cincinnati. Unfortunately, I, I, I'd love to. I'd love to see Cincinnati put up a fight. As crazy as that would be to see them go up against Alabama and, and put a little scare into their hearts, but I think we're going to see the top two teams in the rankings. I think we're going to see Alabama versus Michigan in the final. In the in the final, and I think that Alabama in the end is going to do what Alabama does at this time of year. I think that Alabama right now. Uh, is the best team in college football, and I think that they're going to be able to go out and perform well enough to beat Michigan. I think that it's going to be Alabama-Michigan and the Tide walk out. As much as I don't want to see Alabama win again, as much as I'd like to see it be somebody else, I mean, I'm going to roll. I'm rolling with the Tide until they give me a reason not to. All right, and I'll say this, and I hate saying this. But I am, I am one of those that annoys me that I see this this Final Four being the way it is. But, but in my honest opinion, I think worst case scenario happens. And I hate saying this. I really, really do. But I think we see an Alabama, Georgia rematch. I, I, and here's the reason why I, I love Michigan. I love the way Michigan's playing, but I think Georgia's defense is set up to stop what Michigan is strong at. And that's the run game. I'm sorry. Michigan's offensive line have not seen the defensive tackles that Georgia has. And if Michigan cannot establish the run, their passing game is not good enough to beat Georgia's defense. And and that's just my honest opinion. I want Michigan to play well in this game. I think Michigan will make this a game. I just think Georgia's got a little too much defensively to keep Michigan from staying in this one. I don't like saying it. I don't. I really want Michigan to to show the Big Ten proud. I just see Georgia a little too much, and I am worried Cincinnati is going to be out of this game by halftime. I just don't think Cincinnati has the athletes and the ability, even losing one of their best receivers did Alabama in the SEC title game to an ACL. 
I still think there is way too much talent. There's way too much skill on Alabama's team for Cincinnati. They may get run out of the park in the first half. I pray I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. In fact, I'm joking with some people. I would love to see a Cincinnati-Michigan championship game. I would watch it even more. But my worry is I think we see a Bama-Georgia, and I think we see a repeat. I think Kirby Smart is is got a hex on him. He cannot find a way to beat Nick Saban. And even if Georgia gets to the final, I think Bama wins another championship. Trust me, that is that is toxic for me to say, ladies and gentlemen. But I believe Alabama will be the one hoisting the trophy at the end of the year. Again, I hope I'm wrong, but we will see. I, I think for me, the biggest key for Michigan, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a little quote from the the Pat McAfee dictionary here michigan's <laughs> got to smack michigan's got to smack them in the mouth right right off the get-go they they got to hit them in the mouth early like just just like what they did to iowa i mean they hit they hit iowa for two quick touchdowns if they can do that to georgia and get them on the back foot quickly i think that that really suits well for michigan going forward and i think that that's got to be their game plan heading the for the rest of the way i think that michigan can do it i mean seeing them do it against Ohio state, a team that they haven't beaten in nine tries. Yes. They might not be the, the vaunted Ohio state team that we've seen over the last couple of years, but that's still a very, very good Ohio state team with a crazy good offense and their defense really was able to do well against them. And I think that if the offense for Michigan gets the ball early, smacks them down, gets a couple of scores on them early. I think that George is going to be in trouble. So I, I like how we've got a little bit of a, little bit of a different, difference in our in our picks so we'll we'll have to see how that turns out so one of us will probably end up having a little bit of bragging rights over the over the other come uh come the first podcast in january it'll be a little bit i i cannot wait it'll be exciting sir and and let's jump to it we jump from college football we jump to college basketball and, and and really ladies and gentlemen it's been very interesting. Like, as soon as you think you know how the season is going to go, it changes. Uh, the, the mighty Gonzaga Bulldogs have dropped two games, including a barn burner game against Duke, which I know, I, mean, I know, Brad, you saw it. You have to say that was an incredible game. That was in a, a Final Four type atmosphere in Vegas between Gonzaga and Duke. And I, I don't think I'm jumping off too high a limb to go. Don't be surprised if you see this potentially in a Final Four matchup. Yeah, I think that come come March, I think that if Duke and Gonzaga can both stay in, in the form that they're in right now, I mean, they're playing very good. I mean, Gonzaga, Gonzaga did lose to Alabama, but I think that was a it was a really surprise type of result. I mean, I, I think you play that game 10 more times. I think Gonzaga wins nine out of those 10 times. But I think that Gonzaga, as the season goes along, is going to be able to fine-tune that machine that they've got going with Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, Watson, Nemhart, all of those guys. I think that they're going to be able to fine-tune that. Same thing with Duke, quite frankly. I think that they're, they're going to be playing emotional for the rest of the season, trying to get Coach Krzyzewski one more, one more national championship. And while we're at it, let's not forget the number one team in the country right now, the Purdue Boilermakers out of the Big Ten. They're going, they're going right now against Rutgers, and I, I want to say this. Purdue right now is losing by five to Rutgers on the road. So, <laughs> it, I mean, hey, it's cool to see a Big Ten team at the top of the rankings, but if if Rutgers ends up pulling that one off, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be laughing all the way to the bank on that. New New Jersey is a tough place to play. That Rutgers barn is. is small and it's intimidating. If, if if you don't come in there on your A game, you can come out with a loss. So, uh, it's never easy. Purdue is a tough team. Purdue that rotational of their bigs, I think, really will help them. I, I just think this is one of those, if Purdue can keep this within five points, if they can keep it within a couple of possessions, I think Purdue's, the, their ability and their depth, I think will get Rutgers. And Rutgers has been kind of struggling this year, only four and four in another game between ranked matchups. sees Texas leading Seton Hall as we speak. And, and, and we got to talk about it. We're, we're here. We live in the state of Iowa. We got to talk about it. Tonight is the Cyhawk basketball game everybody talks to football everybody talks to wrestling but the basketball looks to be a heck of a game as iowa state is eight and oh undefeated as we speak 17 ranked hosting the iowa hawkeyes who yes they're seven and two but you got to say those last two losses were not bad losses a tough game against illinois where they just couldn't get over the hump 
and a incredible game at Purdue where they put a little bit of fear into Purdue being up by 19. Iowa got it all the way down to two before Purdue kind of ran up and got the score back to a little bit more of a normal score. So I look at it. This is going to be an incredible game. Hilton Coliseum is always a tough place to play. What are your thoughts kind of on this Iowa-Iowa State men's basketball matchup? Yeah, so if we take a look at Iowa State to start off with, I mean, the, the games that they've played recently, they beat number 25 Xavier, they beat number nine Memphis, and then they beat number 19 Creighton on Saturday. So Iowa State is going in on quite the roll, whereas Iowa, yes, they had those two losses. They're close losses. They might find themselves down a little bit. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned if I'm an Iowa fan right now. Yes, Keegan Murray is playing fantastic. Yes, Bohannon keeps playing the way that he needs to play. Yes, they're finding more depth in that Hawkeye squad, but I don't, I don't know, man. Especially watching the Cyhawk women's game last night and seeing how that atmosphere was at Hilton, it's, it's a very tough ask for what the Hawkeyes are going to need to do tonight. The, the Hawks are right now a five point favorite in, in terms of the betting line, so it's a very interesting matchup. I'm going to pull my, my famous Brad tactic. I'm going to pull the reverse psychology pick. I'm going to pick <laughs> Iowa state to win in hopes that I'm wrong and that Iowa pulls it out. But Hilton, I, I've been there, Donnie. It's, it's a tough, tough place to play. And when the, when the, when the matchup is right, when it's an, when it's either Iowa or another ranked team that comes to Hilton, the, the students show up and it's a very, very tough place to play. So go Hawks. Go get it done, but I, I'm thinking it might be a might be a cyhawk, uh, might be a cyclone night in in Hilton. We'll have to we'll have to see though. The thing that the thing that I'm going to say to to kind of counteract that is only because Mackey Arena is a tough place to play at Purdue. It is, and they went in there and Iowa, except for a few moments, played really really well in Mackey Arena. I think that's a great perfect setup for this matchup because I think. Hilton and Mackey are going to be very, very similar. So I don't think it's going to face the Iowa team as well. The biggest thing I will say is, can Iowa speed Iowa State up? Because Iowa is one of those teams they use the speed. They want to run. They want to get pressure. They want to get turnovers. They want to run up the floor. Transition game for Iowa is key. If they can get turnovers and get transition baskets, I think Iowa's got a shot in this one. I agree with you. I think Iowa State is just going to be a tiny bit too strong for Iowa. But Keep an eye out on this one. This one could be an incredible game. I cannot wait for it. In fact, actually, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be straight up honest. We are trying to get this podcast done so we get ourselves a little bit of time before this game since it starts 8 o'clock our time. So I, I, I think what we will wrap up the college basketball really quickly. Let's just, let's just look at some of the matchups that we will see over the weekend. A dynamite one in the Big Ten between Wisconsin and Ohio State over the weekend. BYU, a team that's kind of come out of nowhere. Yes, they lost that game to Val- Utah Valley, but have played really, really well. They come to Omaha to play Creighton. Penn State hosts. Penn State goes to Michigan State. Marquette hosts the number four UCLA Bruins. Kansas hosting Missouri in that little battle there. Uh, and one I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on on Saturday is Arizona v Illinois. That will be a very very good game, and the nightcap will be Houston versus Alabama. Um, there, I cannot wait for that one on Saturday. And then another one that I'm going to be looking forward to. Maybe it's just because of the slight bias toward Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's got a pretty decent team this year. They're they're seven and two to start the year, and they host number twelve Arkansas at Lloyd Noble Center. So that's going to be a very interesting one to watch. And then flipping forward to Sunday, another tough matchup for the number one Boilermakers going to NC State. And then the big, big matchup between number six Villanova and number two Baylor on ABC at two o'clock. That's going to be a very interesting one. And then the in-state matchup between the Washington Huskies and Gonzaga Bulldogs to finish it out on Sunday is going to be very, very interesting. And sadly, that game has been canceled because Washington has COVID issues, unfortunately. So, yeah, that will kind of do it for all of the kind of the marquee matchups of this week. And you know what, sir? I, I hate to I hate to do it, but I, I want to rewind just really quick before we get to your crazy stats. The game that the, the one college football game that I look forward to every year, besides Iowa Iowa State, happens this weekend. It is Army. V Navy. And I know a lot of people don't like the triple option, the, the, the academies play, but I love watching this football game. I'm super excited for this. 
I, I got to ask, I, I know this may not be your cup of tea. Are you going to watch any of the Army Navy game? And have you seen those absolutely fantastic unis they have for this year? They, they never fail to produce amazing uniforms for this matchup. And yes, I'm going to be watching this. I'm going to dual screen this and that Moss Cup final. But the pageantry of this game and the just the circumstances and everything surrounding it is almost as big as the game itself. It's just an incredible thing to get to watch every year. And it's definitely something that I always look forward to. And, and yes, it, some people don't like that type of option service academy style football, but it's very, it's very nice, especially for, for Iowa guys who are used to seeing tough grit grind type of football. I mean, this is right up our alley kind of, and this is a very interesting matchup. And we, we got an eight and three army team, a three and eight Navy team. So you look at the ESPN power index, it's an 82% to 18% chance for Army to win this game. Donnie, I'm, I'm going to turn this to you since, you since you watch this more than me, but what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be a runaway for Army, or do you think that Navy is going to be able to hang in there and possibly cause a little bit of an upset? Oh, these academy games are, are so unpredictable at times because they do neutralize each other so much because both teams do run relatively similar. Now, Navy has kind of gone a little bit more normalized triple option it, it's not as triple option as much as years before army has played really really well including a game where they went to wisconsin and almost knocked off wisconsin at wisconsin that's how good they can be sometimes when they run their game the way they do i think army wins this but I, honestly I, i'm going to shock some people i think army wins this because they can throw the ball better our army can pass the ball 10 times better than navy can navy barely throws the football very much army with with uh, their quarterback Anderson, who is a very good thrower, uh, was one of the reasons why they knocked off Air Force is, is Army's ability to use the the pass to open up the run game. So I, I see Army winning this one. I think it's I think it's a little I think it gets a little out of hand for Navy. I think it's a 35-14. Army's offense is playing really, really well. Army's defense always matches up well against Navy's defense. I I, I think it really kind of depends on turnovers and field position, but if but if this if a couple of touchdowns go for Army early and Navy gets behind, I think this could get out of hand a little bit. So I see Army winning this one 35-14, but I'm hoping for a close game. I think it will be an absolutely fantastic game again. They're going to be a MetLife Stadium in New York for the 25th for the anniversary uh for one of the anniversaries of uh 9-11. So they are going to do it in the closest stadium they could to New York City. So it'll be at MetLife Stadium where the Giants and the Jets play. So I, I, I hate to rewind, I, 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 but I wanted to do that really quickly because that is such a cool game when it comes to it. So we, we've come to it, sir. We, we've had two months without this, and I, I can't do it justice. I am, I'm not Brad. I can't do the crazy stat as good as you, sir. So I will give it to you for the first time in a while. Brad, crazy stat of the week. Well, we all, we all claim to be a little bit of sports historians as, as fans, right? So uh, I'm going to throw – the UCLA teams of night of the, of the sixties and seventies in, and we all know how amazing those teams were coached by John Wooden and just how crazy good all those UCLA Bruins teams were. So they, they recently had a record of theirs. Uh, they recently had one of their records taken down, or, or I should say a team got as close to a mark of theirs as it has been at any point over that stretch of about of about 50 years. So through the first eight games of this season, the number number 11 Arizona Wildcats have outscored their opponents by 257 points over those first eight games. And that's the best scoring margin by a Pac-12 team over its first eight games since the 71-72 UCLA Bruins that were a plus 355. That team finished 30-0, featured Bill Walton, Henry Bibby, and Jamal Wilkes. So that just goes to show how crazy the start of the season has been for the Arizona men's basketball team. They're going to be a team to watch out for as the season goes forward. Yeah, and the crazy part is their new head coach is a former Gonzaga assistant. So, which was just kind of interesting to see Tommy Lloyd doing well down in Arizona. I'm very fascinated to see how he does in the Pac-12 as the years go on. Brad, another amazing stat. 
we've done it. We, we've got a podcast in after, after almost a couple of months off. It's been incredible. I love these chats. They're always so much fun. It's great to have us back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you missed us, if you love this podcast, please give us a rating, a subscribe. Let us know what you think. This is awesome. We love doing this. It's so much fun to chat with it. I know we've been away for a couple of months, but I think we're right back at it. And I think we're just as good as we were when we took the break. So Brad, thank you again for joining me, sir. So great to have you back. Yeah, no worries. It's great to be back. And we're going to have a couple of really interesting episodes coming out soon. We'll, we'll try to maybe get a college football bowl preview episode out. AFLW is coming up as well. I'm, I'm going to be very much looking forward to that as is Donnie. So we'll try and get an episode about the AFLW coming up. And then, of course, college football playoff is right around the corner. So we'll be able to see all the bowl games, all the playoff, and we'll get to see just how the basketball season turns out as well. If it's as anything, if it's anything like last season with all the chaos that happened, it's going to be something to watch out for in terms of the college basketball. So and very happy to be back into it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes over the next month. Yeah, and the festival of football as we get into that prime time of a lot of the English Premier League and the Scottish Premier League and a lot of the European leagues get World Cup their, qualifiers as well. Yeah, their festive football is coming up. Cannot wait for it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. Brad and I thank you for taking a listen. If you like it, please rate, subscribe, and let us know how it's going. And we will be back, we promise, next week.